Hi, this is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and welcome to the top nine most popular Breaking Money Silence podcasts. These were voted by you, our listeners. And in number seven, we have Kim and Victor Gaxiola. They are the owners of Tech Girl Finance. They work with many folks in the Silicon Valley and many other technical uh, professionals. And we talked about behavioral finance and a common mistake that many company founders make when it comes to investments. So listen in and enjoy this encore episode. Sometimes not taking action and status quo can be very risky. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. Today, I'm really excited to have Kim and Victor Gaxiola on the Breaking Money Silence podcast. Their company is Tech Girl Financial. And Kim and I originally met at the Investment News Women Advisors Summit. I meet some great, wonderful, powerful women there. And she happened to get a chance to see my keynote presentation on Breaking Money Silence. Uh, that message really connected with her and where she was at in her work with her clients. And so she now offers work workshops and educational podcasts that talk about a lot of different things, but also include helping women talk more openly and honestly about money. Her husband and much, much more, he is uh, the head of marketing at Tech Girl Financial. Uh, he has a great background in financial services as well, and he's going to join the conversation too. So I want to uh, welcome both Kim and Victor to the podcast. Thank you, Kathleen. It's great to be here. Thank you, Kathleen. We're big fans and so are our clients. Yeah, I'm really excited to finally be able to have this conversation. And I think you have a really interesting money myth to explore today, one that we haven't explored in the past. So can you tell us what the myth is that you're going to be busting wide open today? Yes. So the myth is that there is a high cost to selling your company stock. Great. And so when you say high cost, just give me an example of what you mean. Many people, when they have a large a large position, they work for a company for a long time and um, perhaps they go to retire and they have a million dollars of life savings and uh, but seven hundred thousand of that is in their company stock. And they're really fearful about getting rid of that. They've spent a lot of time at that company. They have good thoughts about the company. And um, they're also concerned with, wow, if I sell that stock, I may have a cost of the stock of 100000 but the stock is worth 700000 And now I'm going to have to pay a lot in taxes. Hmm. That seems really tricky because you have that company loyalty, the fact that you've you know either built up that company or helped build up that company, uh, not to mention nobody really likes paying taxes or transaction fees or any of, of those types of things. So, Victor, 
What motivated you and Kim to pick this myth today? What motivated us is that in working with our clients and being here in the heart of Silicon Valley, there's so many opportunities for people to take advantage of everything that they've worked so hard to not only get as part of their compensation package, but what they've deserved. And so what really brought this myth up is that seeing people frozen, not taking action when they should be taking action uh, from the standpoint that they've accumulated this very concentrated stock position and then they, they, they basically decide to just stay with the status quo. I'm not going to do anything. I, I I know the company. I'm loyal to it. I've got all, all this great information. I know the management team. Uh, you know, so their confidence in their own company keeps them from taking any sort of action. And so that's really why what brought us to this myth and saying that sometimes not taking action and status quo can be very risky. Mm, absolutely. And I imagine, given your area of expertise, Kim, that this might come up a fair amount in the work that you do with the types of clients you do. It does. And so I, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about when I was at uh, the presentation that you were giving and I'm nodding my head. Yes, yes, yes. This whole idea of wealth psychology really intrigued me. And I've been growing this year and thinking about how can I bring this out to my clients and how can I help my clients with a lot of these myths, especially this one here. Um, how do I help them break out of that emotional uh, pull to hold on to the stock when the logical side is, you know, you should sell, you should diversify, you, you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. I love that. So t tell the audience a little bit about how you work with clients to help them bust this money myth that there is a high cost of selling their company stock. So we're going to look at best case and worst case scenarios always because that is financial planning. But I am so moderate in, in everything that I do. I always like to say middle of the road scenario as well. But I think it's the best and worst case scenarios that are much, much more powerful. And I think ultimately people are thinking best case scenario. They're holding this stock because they're so optimistic about it doubling in price in the next two to four years, which is not normal typically, but they they continue to be optimistic at those chances. And, you know, when we, when we start talking about this, we look at what are we hearing in the radio and in the market news. And we hear a lot about the, the stock market index doing so well. And quite frankly, a lot of the times when you break that down, you can see that it may be just a handful to a dozen stocks in the S&P 500 that are that are comprising, you know, 50% of the return of that index. And every year it's a different number, but um, you can see that, you know, if if only a dozen stocks are responsible for the majority of that index, what is the likelihood that your stock is one of those that's just going to go through the roof? Now let's take a short break. I am so excited to tell you about my new online course, Negotiating Your Fees with Confidence. If you are someone who avoids talking about money with your clients at all costs, this online course is for you. You will learn the skills to master your negotiation mindset so you can clearly and confidently communicate your fees to your prospects, your clients, and your colleagues. You will walk away with five steps to become a better negotiator. And at the completion of this online course, you'll have an opportunity to do a one-on-one -on -one coaching session 
with me. So I hope you sign up for negotiating your fees with confidence. Simply go to breakingmoneysilence.com backslash negotiating and sign up today. Let's get back to the episode. So in some ways, you bring some logic and some, well, a lot of logic and rationale uh, and analysis to a situation that can be so emotional. I think, you know, just obviously, I believe in the money and emotion connection. But certainly, I imagine if you're at a startup or at a company and you've, you've been there a long time, that there's this this loyalty that happens. Uh, I know, Victor, you've done some speaking at industry conferences and have some thoughts about this. Can you say a little bit about kind of what your angle is on it and why you think people fall into these uh, behavioral traps? Absolutely. You know, I'm a big fan of behavioral finance. And and the one that always caught my attention was this whole concept of anchoring, which is really what keeps people from taking any sort of action and being very comfortable with the status quo. And a lot of it has to do with you set this high, high level mark, you know, so that if your company is trading at a specific level, and you kind of set that and saying, this is what it should be worth in order for it to be worth, you know, either exercising or doing something about it. What you find and discover as you start digging a little bit deeper and having these conversations is that sometimes there's that fear or, uh, of selling the stock because you don't want to seem or appear as disloyal or showing that you are lacking confidence in your company's prospects and their ability to grow. That's a great explanation. Really easy to understand. Now, I'm wondering with every myth, there's usually an upside. And I don't know if there's an upside to this myth. You know, the idea that you would hang on to your company because you thought there was a high cost in selling the stock. Is there any, Kim, upside, even if it's in the short run to this myth of of having people think this way about their money and their company stock? Um, When we're talking about stocks and human emotion, fear and greed guides every decision that people make. And so the greed is this whole idea that the the company is going to go up and up and up and up. And we need to hold on to that. And also um, the script that I hate paying taxes. You know, we can go into the whole money scripts that come with, you know, every time you sell, you're going to have a tax bill. However, we have to look at the flip side of that and say, well, is this company, the only company that's going to go up in all of the stocks that are out there? And probably the answer is no, it's not the only company that's going to go up. And so the idea that if you were to sell, pay the taxes and own, you know, for that one stock, maybe 20, 30, 40 stocks that have more chances of going up with the broad market than one stock, uh, you may be in a better situation. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that the other thing is that you have to take into consideration just how concentrated is this position. If you look at their overall portfolio value and you discover that it's a smaller percentage, well, then keeping it may not necessarily be such a bad idea. However, if it is such a large concentration, it could account for a large share where they're going to be deriving income in the retirement, then it does become a conversation that you need to have. So I'm wondering if we were to reframe this money myth into a money fact what would the statement be? Instead of there is a high cost of selling your company stock, what would the mantra be? There's a high cost of doing nothing. Oh, I, I love that for a whole host of other reasons, Victor. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so it has been so enjoyable to talk to you about this myth and, and to think about it. I know we only scratch the surface. It's it's so complex, uh, behavioral finance, and so interesting. Um, I'm wondering, Kim, if you can tell us a little bit uh, about your podcast, because I have a sense that you might be covering more of this information in your podcast, and I also want people to know how to find you. Yes. So we are taking information and feedback from our clients and people that are listening to this all the time. And what I find is it has to be a balance in the podcast between some of the things that we like to talk about, which are more on the wealth psychology side. And we, um, for that reason, we did talk about breaking money silence and, and all the ways it can impact your money and financial status. Um, but we also want to talk about some of these technical ideas, which I know sometimes are a little bit more not as interesting to some, but to others, it's the, the bulk of the information that they want to hear from us. We have to, we have to pull from left brain and right brain to accommodate everyone, really. And so you can find us at techgirlfinancialpodcast.com and subscribe to that. And then you'll be alerted every time we come up with a new podcast. So we're really looking forward to all the input and feedback we get from our listeners as well. I like to say that we strike a balance between informing and entertaining. So we call it infotainment. You know, so nice. wanted to balance both. Nice. As the true marketing professional, in infotainment. <laughs> I really, really like that. So, you know, I have had a chance to listen to your podcast uh, and hear uh, your style and the way in which you interact together. And I do recommend that people check it out. It was really enjoyable for me to listen to. And I really love the idea of combining both the technical side and the emotional side, which I think is what you're doing in Tech Girl Financial Podcast. So definitely check that out. Uh, if you are interested in reaching out to Kim, or Victor Gaxiola, uh, learning more about Tech Girl Financial. I believe it's just techgirlfinancial.com. Is it that simple? That's it. Excellent. So I have so much enjoyed Breaking Money Silence with you two today and getting to know you a little bit. And uh, I really look forward to being a fan of your show and, and having more opportunities to break money silence together. Thank you. And keep doing the work that you're doing, Kathleen, because it is helping all of us in the industry as well as people just listening to them that want to learn more about this topic because um, it's really important. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.